Welcome to episode four of Getting Real About. Today, we are getting real with a couple parents in part one of Teens and Technology. From time restrictions, boundaries, and embracing social media, Lindsay and Alex share with Haley their successes and struggles. All right, ladies, let's get real. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Getting Real About podcast, or maybe you might be joining us for the first time, but I am Haley Funston, and we are talking about teens and technology today, and this is actually going to be part one. We're going to be talking to some teenagers on the next one, but I am here with Alex Johnson and Lindsay McGee, and these are some parents that I've recruited to talk to us about some technology, all the fun stuff going on. So, Alex, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? I thought this was what you were going to teach us about technology. Oh, I'm at the wrong time. podcast. <laughs> so Elaine and I have been married for, what are we, 22 years. we got a 17-year-old girl and a 16-year-old boy. That's fun. It is loads of fun. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it is fun. They've got, yeah, we've got our challenges, but like everybody else, but no. So we, yeah. Born and raised around this area, I am, and my wife moved over from Montana, and we're learning how to do technology with our yeah. kids, trying it, to. It is. You got to learn a lot of new things all the time. They're when, outsmarting us, though, unfortunately. Uh, we're, me yeah. too. <laughs> Lindsay, what about you? Um, Dan and I have been married for five years. We have a blended family, so we have a 19-year-old, almost 15, 13, and two and a half, or I guess not even two and a half, a little over two. Wow. All yeah. over the place. All over the place. That's fun. Keeps you on your toes. Very much so. Very much nice. so. Well, I am, I didn't say what I do. I am a high school pastor and I actually have, so both of Alex's kids are in my ministry and one of Lindsay's daughters is in my ministry as well. And so I have the pleasure of hanging out with them and many, many other teenagers. And I still, like you guys as parents, am learning all about their technology, social media stuff. And so today we're just hoping we can get down to how do you handle it as parents? What do you see from your students at home? How do they respond? And I'll give a little bit of insight of what I see, maybe what they don't share with you. I won't give away too many of their secrets because got to keep their trust somehow. (laughs) But um, yeah, we're just going to get into it. And so we're going to start off with do you feel you've kind of embraced the use of technology the way that they use it? And uh, maybe you can go off and explain how you technology is used at your own homes first. Go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah. I don't think that my husband and I have really embraced technology. (laughs) We, we kind of have things on lockdown with our kids and, um, so yeah, we, don't allow the kids to use much technology in the way of social media and cell phones. Our two girls, the 13 and the 15-year-old, they share a phone right now. And then the 19-year-old, he definitely has a lot more freedom and he always has had a lot more freedom. When when the kids came and moved up with us full-time, that was back in 2015 and he was, I think, 13 and he came with a phone. So it was hard to take it away once he had it. But then with the girls, we really didn't let them have a phone until they were much older and they didn't have the freedoms that their brother has with their phone. Do you feel like they fought back a little bit with seeing that their brother did have it or were they 
pretty accepting of like, okay, this is how it is. At least to our face, they're pretty yeah. accepting <laughs> of it. I think we set the expectation from the very beginning that you guys aren't going to have a phone. Um, it has been hard, especially with a blended family, because there are some times where devices or social media is allowed somewhere else that we don't allow. Mm. But it's um, for the majority of the time they are with us. And so they know the expectation. And I've said before, I have pretty good kids that they don't really fight back too much. So they do push it a little, but most cases, not so much. Yeah. Well, we're obviously on the other end of the spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were laughing earlier, but um, we've got, so so our daughter, when she, when she was coming into, I think it was seventh grade, I think that's when we, sixth or seventh grade is when we, okay, we'll let you have a phone that had the iPod touches before, but to, that next step of getting that device and trying to manage that. And then when, when our, when our, when our son got up, it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, you can have a phone. Like it's, it wasn't as big of a deal. <laughs> Not it seemed, as worried it about like, it. <laughs> well, it kind of seemed that way, but they've been, I would say we have embraced technology a lot. We've, we use it a lot in the house. Um, I've been all over the map with social media. I've been fully on board and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I pretty much don't do any of it anymore. My wife still does. I, mean, I still have the accounts of Facebook and Instagram. I don't have a Twitter account anymore, but we've, um, it's actually funny. I, I actually find like overall of all technologies, I kind of thought my kids would catch on quicker and like be able to figure out computer troubles or even internet issues. And they still seem like, they always like, Hey dad, can you come fix this? We can't quite get this figured out. So, um, but we do have rules and we have, um, we've, we use, we use tools of the internet to help us manage the internet. Besides just managing Wi-Fi, um, we also use a system called RPACT, which helps us really turn stuff on and off and really help with uh, what they can have. And um, and we have certain apps that just we won't allow in the house, And um, but we, we do give freedoms. And, and we've also found that when we've really restricted for us, we've, we have found more for our daughter that she has then pushed back. And she's gone and gotten devices from friends and kind of like we, you had said earlier before we started recording, but, you know, monitoring the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. to see. So we have we have systems set up to tell us if things come online, you know. So we do have a couple old devices in the safe that are locked away. <laughs> well, we found them that they were back on the internet. We're like, wait a second here. How in the world did those get back on? Like, they, you were shut down. So. Yeah, and I know that our kids definitely go onto their friends' social media when they're with their friends and do things like that. But the less exposure we can get for them, the better for us. So we know that they're going to be using it elsewhere, and that's fine. Um, but we wanted to try and avoid having it in our house too much. Are you Are you and Dan, are you guys, do you have social media accounts? We do. I actually got rid of it when I, because I lived in Colorado for 10 years, and then I moved up here um, when I was like early or late 20s, I guess. And I got rid of social media and I didn't want to have it. And some people pushed back and was like, hey, I need to stay connected with you. And my view on it was, if you want to stay connected, give me a call, pick up a phone, have a phone conversation because then we can have quality connection. And I was really happy without having that. Then when the kids moved up here in 2015, I still wasn't on social media 
But then probably six months in, some of the parents, we were out on like a Girl Scout camping trip. And one of the parents was like, well, I want to invite you and your daughter to this thing. You know, let me find you on Facebook. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not on Facebook. And she said, uh, you have to get on Facebook. That's how the kids get invited <laughs> to everything. I was like, really? And she said, yeah. So you need to get back on Facebook. So I reactivated the account and I do find I waste more time time than I want to. And so I have a struggle of, I want to get rid of it. But then there's all of these things with all of the kids activities where I feel like I can't sometimes. So that's why I then sometimes will just take it off my phone or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I would say what's funny about Facebook is if I even mention it to any of the students, they're like, we don't use Facebook. That's for our parents. That's for old people. And so I think that's just to hear like, that's what all the students get invited to. It's definitely now I've even with some of my friends, they're like, I don't ever get on Facebook anymore. It's there are a lot of different other social medias. And I think that's where it becomes hard for our parents, but even some students to be caught up and like, okay, what app are we using now? How are we communicating? Because it even blows my mind that half the time they don't even use the texting app that comes with the phone. It's normally through Snapchat or WhatsApp or all these different other things where it can be sometimes a lot easier to delete messages or mm -hmm. your parents don't know that you can talk through Snapchat type of thing. So it's funny hearing these stories, but also I'm sure a lot of parents listening appreciate all sorts of all the different sides of things. And I would say that I've experienced with all the different students. I have students who don't have phones. I have students who are obsessed with their phones, almost to the point of it being an addiction. And I have to remember that, OK, not all of these students are connecting through Instagram or posting the same things. And so you know, that's what most of our world is right now is getting things out through all these different posts and social media. And I have to remember, okay, how do I still connect and get these kids plugged in? And that doesn't, I don't think that's just for churches. I think that's anywhere we have to remember. There's still people who don't want to be on social media for the negative side effects of that. Well, and to that point, it's hard sometimes as a parent because so a few years back, the high school actually put on some seminar for our parents to go to. And it was, I think it was called Screenagers. And it was about all the negative impacts of social media and how kids can get, and not only social media, but technology and how kids can get addicted to it. And it's a really bad addiction and really try and limit your kids from using it. And they really stressed to, you know, not give your kids all this access. And so my husband and I were like, okay, we're on the same page. We're going to keep doing this. And then maybe a few months later, our oldest was going to be a senior. And there's all of these senior activities. And we couldn't find the information anywhere on the websites. And nothing was coming through like the daily emails that we got from the school. And I finally reached out to one of the administrators and I said, hey, how do we get this information? I think that there's, you know, a senior event coming up, but we haven't found anything. And they said, well, you have to do that through Instagram. Mm. And I said, I just went to a seminar from the school saying that we shouldn't do that. <laughs> and you're saying that this is the only way I can get the information. And they said, well, unfortunately, 
you know, that type of activity is run by the students and the students want to use Instagram. So that's the only way they're going to do it. And I said, well, what about these families that uh, we don't allow Instagram? And their response was, oh, you stuck to that? Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know you people actually yeah. existed. So you're the, leading the next seminar. Uh, they didn't tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so then at that point, I, as the parent, had to join these student pages and try and filter the information to my child where then I've, you know, it becomes a struggle like to that sense um, where then I don't know, but we don't want to open up Instagram just for that purpose because then they can, you know, it gives them more opportunity to quote unquote break the rules and we don't want to set them up for failure in that sense saying, okay, you can have it for this, but not this, because that's too tempting to a teenager. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and first of all, I think we just go back to handwritten letters and notes and they'll be fine with it. I think they'll be fine. We'll get used to it eventually. What's wrong with that, Haley? I don't think there's anything. <laughs> I was writing in cursive the other day and one of the students was like, how do you do that? <laughs> like, that's so how do you sad. read it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I just, being able to communicate with parents and teenagers together, and that's one thing is, how do we figure out to work together? And I, there's one parent who uh, doesn't, they, his daughter's just got a phone. And part of the reason being that they both attend our youth ministry, and they were both part of a small group, and all the communication is through texting. Hey, reminder, we have a group tonight. There's this event going on. And he, being the dad, felt like, okay, well, I probably shouldn't join this girl's group chat, and but I want my daughters to be communicated with, and I don't want the leader to have to text me separately. And so I know that was part of the reason why, but figuring out all these different ways of, okay, how do we do this together? Um, kind of going more on, okay, you talked about Instagram. This is what students use, and I would say, yes, that's probably way up there, maybe probably top five of what they're using. And who knows, I could be completely wrong now. It could be way off yeah. near Facebook at this point. But do you feel like, um, and I guess this is more for you, Alex, your kids are on one app more than the other. One has more positive side effects versus negative. I think, I mean, they all can have positive or negative side effects. We find, I mean, we do, we have seen trends of um, different um, what would you call it? Different usage then, then gives you different results. But we saw this way back and when the kids were younger, even watching the Disney channel, all of a sudden they'd start watching the Disney channel a bunch. I mean, here they are, you know, preschool and at lower elementary and all of a sudden they start getting sassy. We're like, what? And the, where does this come from? And then you happen to sit and watch the same show that they're watching, which we don't do. And you're like, oh, you are emulating these kids on this TV show. And so we've even seen that. So we've, we do limit when we see things and grades affect it, um, of what, what apps they get and don't get. And we don't allow the one app we don't allow is, um, TikTok. So I'm not a fan of TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so in fact, we just had an episode here. Let's see, our daughter was away for a vacation seeing family. And all of a sudden one of our friends came to us and, um, had heard through somebody else that like, you know, how the daisy chain of things happen. And, and all of a sudden we hear that she's, our daughter was on TikTok and, and, uh, posting stuff. And so I went on to our sister, our little RPAC and 
shut that thing down. And a couple of days later, <laughs> we have, I go back on our pack and there it is again, it's on. So I shut it down and I send her a little reminder that, hey, that's not an app that we get to use in this house. And if you want to keep doing it, we can just put the phone in the safe. And, and so, it hasn't been, I haven't, well, actually I didn't even look. I should look, see if it's, we should just pull still up and, on oh, there. as I hit the microphone. <laughs> we should look and see if it's still, if it's still off. But, um, but no, we definitely do see results. And I would say though, top, stop a Snapchat for the kids. Um, but I, but even that, I mean, I would even say, Lindsay, so I know you'd said that you don't have a lot of stuff that apps that they use and different things. And I'm glad to hear you are in some, because we did want to at the beginning. And I would tell parents, understand the app that your kids are using. We, we thought Instagram was, was pretty easy, pretty non-threatening when kind of a, a few years ago when it first came out, not first came out, but when our kids started using it. And then all of a sudden we happened to come across that you can message through Instagram. And then those photos can then be deleted, like the disappearing photos and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And again, this was when the kids had first gotten them. And we thought that was all innocent. Well, then all of a sudden when you start seeing, you know, girls sending, you know, boy pictures, I mean, just stop. You're like, wait a second, hold on a second. We had no idea. And so that's why we always try to at least understand the apps, even though I don't do Snapchat, my wife does have it and, and has done it. But so, um, but yeah, we limit depending on their, on their, their attitudes. Yeah. We definitely well, pull stuff back. I mean, now the car is a big thing. Now that they have cars oh, and yeah. both kids have a license, that's kind of even easier to shut down than a, than a phone. Than the phone, yeah. I would say, well, first I want to go back to the app that you keep mentioning. It's, I believe, our Pact. Uh, yep, our O-U-R, Pact. It's something you got to pay for, um, but you can monitor the kids' phones and you can see what apps you approve it. And it literally... It, it gets kind of a bad rating on the, uh, we're an Apple phone or Apple family because it totally takes over the entire ecosystem of the Apple phone. So the Apple doesn't like it because it takes that over. So um, they think that it should, I guess, not have, not, not have do that. I'm just looking here, but yeah, you can, every app pops up on it. You can see what they have. You can have it be time limits. You can do, um, you can block a certain app. You can, uh, let's see here. Is it still off? And there it is. Yep. Still off. So I had to there look. TikTok's still off. <laughs> um, you can do time limits on an app. You can have it be where it's always on as well. So we have always certain apps that are always on. So both kids always want music on. So we allow Spotify to be always on. And it literally deletes the apps from the phone. So if I was to go through there and hit block on it or take it, it removes it from the phone. So we've used it before when the kids aren't responding, when we've asked them to do something, I just go in there and hit block all. All of a sudden, it's amazing how quickly they come out of the rooms <laughs> that they're out. That would be pretty good. And if um, anybody who's listening, if you're like, I don't know about blocking um, all the apps or that sounds like too much work, because it does kind of sound like a lot of work to keep up with it. I remember um, about a month ago, we did a luncheon talking about very similar topics and how students will post things or your kids will post things that most likely or not most likely, sometimes they probably wouldn't want their parents to see. It's not the first picture they're showing their parents, hey, look what I posted. And so um, not that everybody is like that, but sometimes uh, I would just suggest having, whether it is the, their youth pastor or a family friend that you trust and saying, hey, I know talking to your kid, I know you don't want me to follow you because part of that's just being a teenager they don't want their parents a part of every single thing in their life. And that's understandable. I could, we probably all were the same way, but if you have somebody you trust to say, but if you let this person follow you, you know, they can kind of not, 
they can keep you accountable, but also you trust them to say, hey, you know what, this was posted. I'm either concerned if it's something negative or how do we kind of rein this in a little bit? I think that's um, another way you can go about it. And if your kid says, no, I don't want them following me, then I would say you probably have a reason to worry, but they know that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> and, I, and I would say, you know, to your thing about monitoring, it can be a lot of work. We pay for the phone, right? Well, and we pay for this stuff. It's ours. And you live underneath our roof. I mean, that's kind of our mentality of it. We're a little old school that way, but it's, I don't know, it, it can be slippery. There's a lot of apps on here and there's a lot of stuff on here that we've seen mm-hmm. friends of friends that have um, some very scary stuff has yeah. happened. There was recently a young lady that got basically got kind of, I forget what the term would be, but, um, befriended via social media. Uh, and then next thing you know, I mean, next thing you know, fast forward and I forget if it was weeks or a month, but next thing you know, she's in a car and she's, she's a teenager, but I think she's maybe 15 or 16 and she's in a car going to California with this young boy. And, uh, and she lives right here in, in this, we'll call it the east side of, Mm -hmm. of the Seattle area. And, and it was a full on, like cops were involved. It was uh, one of those Amber Alert type things that this little young lady, I mean, you don't know. No. You have no idea how quickly it can happen. Yeah. And it, all those social, I mean, and so is, that's the, kind of the scary part of it. But then on the flip side, the great part of it is these connections these kids can do. You know, I mean, as a youth pastor now, and I see it with my daughter where she has friends that go to, it used to be like just where you went to high school is where all your friends are from. And maybe, maybe the neighboring high school. But now it's, I mean, all over the place that just that they meet and which of course that you got to you gotta monitor it. You know, at the very beginning, it was, if you don't know them personally, you can't be friends with them. And now as they've gotten older, we've begun to release that a little bit, but just cause there's so yeah. many, I'll just say it, there's creeps. There's yeah, tons there of creeps. And it's been from the very beginning. I mean, I think a lot of my fears kind of started because I'm in the age of AOL instant messenger was, you know, coming up when I was maybe in middle school and I remember what I was doing on just AOL Instant Messenger. And it wasn't always smart, like the whole, you know, age, sex, like whatever. And I would lie all the time. And so I don't even, it's so much more accessible now. And pictures are now a part of Mm -hmm. it. So friends and I used to always talk about like, finding guys on AOL and we would talk and say, oh yeah, let's meet up at a Sonics game. Like who does that? (laughs) And I don't even know what I would be getting myself into trouble with if I had all of these other things at my disposal. So it's pretty scary to us, just the things that could happen. Mm -hmm. And being the ages that they are, I don't think that they're always mature enough to think that, you know, think of the real dangers of it because I know I wasn't. Oh, and yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. And this, yeah. I mean, and, and I think we're all a little naive, you know, you can quickly go and get, you know, find the stats of how quickly somebody can be, you know, taken away from us and gone young boy or young girl. Right. And be on a ship and be out of here. Yeah. There's, yep. we're in a port city. It's it scary. is. Yeah. It is scary just seeing those things. And so having all those people that you trust that are able to, if they do have social media and if they don't, you know, there's those protections and it's easy to on social media when they ask, you have to be age 18 or 14, whatever it is. I think it's different on a lot of places. 
it's easy to say, yes, I am. But there is a reason why they're asking, are you old enough? And even then it can still be dangerous. Uh, I remember uh, a while ago we were doing a sermon series called downtime and to the students, it was saying, Hey, all social media, all technology is bad, but it can be addicting. And that's what I see more than anything is that these students are now, if they're even in a five minute conversation, they have their phone out ready for the next thing. What is my friend posted? What Snapchat am I, am I getting? What if a new trend happens in the 30 seconds that I'm talking to you? And so one thing I did the first week is we sit at tables for all of our messages. And so they're sitting with friends. I had buckets on the tables and I was like, all right, Everybody put your phone in and the leaders at the tables, you're going to bring me the buckets of phones. And to some, to those who don't have phones or aren't always on it, they're like, done, easy, or all right, I got nothing put in there or whatever it is. And then to some, I thought they were going to like light me on fire. They were so (laughs) mad. And one, because I think they were a little bit nervous. What is my pastor going? Are they going to look at my phone? Or there's no way I can sit here for 20 minutes without looking at my phone. And I called them out on it right away. And, you know, instantly they have their Apple Watch and they're pinging, find my iPhone or sending alerts. Somebody kept their phone. So they're texting each other. So it's going off. It kind of backfired a little bit on me. (laughs) But in the end, when I gave them back their phones instantly, right back on, texting everybody and I just said you know if you couldn't last 20 minutes there's a problem if you were scared about what I was going to find there's a problem there's a reason why we have to address these things because yes they can be healthy they are a way to connect with your friends or a way to keep in contact with your parents if that's why you have it but where do we put this this stop where do we allow ourselves to set these different boundaries and so are there different areas where, or areas in their life where you're saying, all right, this is a no phone zone or yeah, different boundaries that you might have in your own homes? We have no phone zone at the dinner table. Um, I want to more often have it when we're just hanging out at night, watching shows together. Cause oftentimes the two girls and their dad and I watch TV a lot together at night. Um, and I would like it a time where we watch together instead of watching and two or three people just on a phone, mm-hmm. you know, because then they're not really engaging. Cause we like watching shows where we can talk about it. And, you know, we brought back seventh heaven, watch that from start to finish. Wow, it's a good one. <laughs> it is a good one. <laughs> one to sit down and watch with kids. They go through a lot of just serious topics And it was more beneficial when people weren't on their phones. Um, So we do go through phases of saying, no, put the phone down Um, because they'll text with friends a lot. And my husband and I are guilty of it, too, just mindlessly playing a game because we're not interested in the show. But the kids also like to see us being interested in the things that they're interested in. So I would like to see that more than just the dinner table, no phone. Yeah, we we have dinner table as well. We've uh, would, I would say we're like kind of like you, where the phones are there when we when we do sit and watch TV. If we if we are watching it together, we're at that age of kids where they really want to be in their rooms more and kind of hanging out. So, we we monitor it a little bit, but uh, it went within the rooms. But it's um, 
not always successful, but we would, uh, we also have, uh, I would say I'm guilty as well, where I'll be sitting there watching a show and next thing you know, I'm, you know, think of something. So I'm on my phone searching something that has, you know, even if I am in, involved in like in the show, but, and then I'll see my, like our son do it and I'll be like, why, why are you watching the show? And I'm like, oh, oh, that's what I was just doing. Sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're, we as adults are just as, I don't, can't think of the word for it, but are susceptible to being on our phones just as much. And sometimes it's what they're seeing. And so they're like, okay, I can do that too. And so with that, do you feel like your kids understand why you've either blocked these apps, why they aren't allowed to have their own phone or why they do have boundaries in certain areas? Do you think they, they know the why successfully? I think our kids do. I think we have that conversation pretty regularly. Like when a new, there's always documentaries coming out about social media or the effects of, you know, too much technology. And we've actually sat down and made the kids watch different TED Talks with us and to show, hey, this is where we're getting the information. You know, does it make sense to you? And we'll have a conversation about it. It doesn't mean that they are always happy with why we've done it. Um, but we do try and have that conversation. They also know because the app that we use, we also have an app on the phone to use to monitor their text messaging and it will tell us if they've used certain apps or what websites that they've gone to and it will give us alerts if there's a high risk type of text. And we did have an instance um, a couple months ago where I received a notification that said, you know, high alert, suicide um, text. And so I immediately got on the phone and looked at the app and saw the text string. And it was a child, you know, had texted our 13 year old and said something to the lines of they didn't want, you know, to get hurt by this girl because, you know, they were afraid that they'd want to kill themselves again. And wow. I didn't know who this child was. Um, I didn't even know what to do. Luckily, I knew that the, my daughter knew this kid from um, youth group. And so I contacted the youth pastor and I said, I don't know what to do. This is what I received. I don't know if I'm blowing it out of proportion. You know, can you help here? I don't know the child. I don't know the parents. I don't know what to do. And they responded immediately and took over the situation for me, which was very helpful. And then unfortunately my daughter then got a little backlash from it um, because her friend didn't want to talk to her immediately, but we were able to say, let your friend know my parents monitor my phone. That wasn't me that told on you. Like my parents saw the text and they, you know, said something because they cared. And so that helped mend it. So when, you know, their friends know hey, their parents are monitoring everything, then it helps them be able to kind of have an out. But it helped us in a situation to kind of get in the middle and, you know, escalate things when I wasn't really sure what to do. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's always, uh, if you haven't already to your kids, tell them it's okay to use you as the buffer and blame it on you. I remember when I was in high school, I was at a friend's house and the parents weren't there. And so my friend started drinking and I just immediately left because I didn't want to be in that position. And 
it was I'm like, okay, I you know what? These are my good friends. I am going to leave and no hard feelings. I just don't want to be in this spot. But I did. I was told by my parents, you know what? If you ever feel uncomfortable, just blame it on us. Say you had to go. And so it was a very much a sorry. My mom called me home, had to leave. Sorry, I didn't let you know type of thing. And because sometimes it is that fear. And I think there's two different things. There's um, if you haven't heard the term FOMO, the fear of missing out. And I think there can be a sense of bullying that goes behind it of, you know, why wouldn't you stay? Come on, do this, do that or whatever. And then there's also the cyberbullying, which was probably a little bit of what was going on with that girl. If she's saying, no, I'm a little bit afraid or even the sense of it could have turned into that with your daughter. I'd say luckily it didn't. But um, do you guys hear much of that, um, whether your students go through it or they, do they ever talk about either one of those things, the FOMO or cyberbullying very much? I've heard a little bit about, I mean, from our daughter. She shared, actually it was last summer uh, that she does, was not posting on some of the the hot topics of the summer and her friends were and that she kind of got a little backlash because she wasn't putting out the, you know, I'll call it the, in air quotes, you know, the right posts with the right pictures to have the right, the right, you know, three letter acronyms mm-hmm. that were going along with the hot topics of the summer. And so she got backlash of that, but at the same time it actually allowed us to have a great conversation because we were able to then talk about kind of why we weren't posting that stuff and where, where we stood as a family on, on just of our viewpoints of things. And so we've seen that our son pretty much, yeah, he's pretty clueless when it comes to <laughs> pretty much anything outside of his own bubble. So it, in the right way. And so he's, I mean, he's the worst at texting back to you. He's, in fact, his phone doesn't even make phone calls right now. And it really doesn't bother him that much. So but you as can't. a parent, it's probably frustrating. Well, yeah, you call him and you're like, why? And then he texts, he's like, Dad, the phone still doesn't work. You have to text me. And so you're, but um, I, I haven't seen much from him uh, of that. But, but I mean, I know, I think there is, I would say FOMO is probably more prevalent than we know just because we, my guess is that's why there are certain posts or, or the snaps, right? The way that they talk. Yeah. I mean, it's when their phones aren't on silent and you hear just the camera roll constantly happening, it's because they've, you know, I'm like, like, what are you taking pictures of? And they, they show you and there's like, that's the ceiling. Right. There's nothing there. Yeah. Why are, you know, what in the world? And that's just, that's how they, I guess it's how they communicate. I'm not sure. So yeah. Yeah. We're learning. I think our kids sometimes have the FOMO of not being able Mm. to be a part of it all. Um, especially our 13 year old, she, she wants to be in the know of everything and wants to be included on everything. So I think it's hard for her to not be able to post like everyone else does. And so we try and balance that whole, okay, we are afraid because she's also the one where I feel like would suffer the most if she was seeing everyone else's posts and what they were doing and what she wasn't included in. But then again, she also has the FOMO of not having the social media and the access to all of the other things. So it's a hard kind of balance. But to that point, our I will say our 19 year old, like I said, he does have a cell phone. He has always had a cell phone. He also has Instagram, has had Instagram um, pretty much the whole time. And it did get a little scary for us because he is 
we weren't really that concerned about it because the only thing that he posts is his art. He's a phenomenal artist and posts art all the time. But then we started seeing that his, his numbers were reaching like pretty high. He has almost 15,000 followers. Holy cow. Which, Blue check. well, for us, we were like, <laughs> I'm like sitting out of my like <laughs> 300 that I got. <laughs> well, and so at first we were a little concerned as parents, like, who are these people that are following you? But then at the same time, we're, we didn't want to kind of strifle his creative, you know, thing. But we did notice when he would get in trouble and his phone would get taken away. His biggest thing was not having Instagram and not being able. And I think it was the, he wanted to see how many likes he got and how many people were, you know, doing the heart Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that to me was a little worrisome. Like if you are getting your, you know, gratification or you're feeling your worth through how many people are liking your art, like let's maybe take a step back from it. And that. You know, I don't want the kids to ever feel like their worth is about how many people are liking their posts. But that's the whole point. The, I that's know. the algorithm. It, it's at work. That if it's, is if it's doing it. I think we all have here. that though, right? <laughs> We've all posted something before and been like, okay, you look at, oh, did I get anybody to like it? Oh, who liked it? You know, totally. which is the addictive part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what all the, I mean, the, from the, the Ted talks to the, you know, what's the. I never watched it. I, I'm probably the only one here who hasn't watched it. The Netflix on the social dilemma, right? That oh, we, social uh, dilemma. We've never watched it, but I mean, that's purely why they do it, right? Yeah. And they even, they have, what is it? The They make it, they, they certain ones, will, they'll, they'll push them and they'll get them liked even though they don't have it. And then it gets other people to want to do it. Well, mm-hmm. and they'll, I've noticed the new thing is to repost. So you post on Instagram, but then you have your story that goes up for 24 hours and they'll, post that picture up there with something like recent post, something blocking the image. So you can't quite see it all the way and say, go like and comment. And so it is just about the likes and the comments. And it's crazy to me to just to see it happen. But I think, you know what, there's certain things I'm like, all right, you know what, maybe I remember seeing or watching a video one time from other youth pastors saying that it's important to make if we're going to do social media, make it positive. And, you know, we have our, our ministry is called Encounter. We have our Encounter Instagram that we post all the events, all the things happening. But it's important for me on my personal profile to go in and comment on all the other students' pictures and, hey, oh, looks like so much fun, miss you, different things, so that they have the positive reinforcement. And then it's also the reminder, oh, yeah, my pastor's on here <laughs> watching this. But in a good way to be like, oh, but they liked my picture because that is so important to them. Um, but can are your events on Instagram on your website? Because Lindsay needs to know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yes. From yes. earlier, right? <laughs> she allows the Gold Creek website. That's right. It's the only way the girls <laughs> stay connected. Is. Yes. It is. <laughs> so we got to make sure that they can see it. Actually, no, I started following those things so then I could... Let the kids keep know. your kids in too. Mm-hmm. There you go. There we go. Sorry, I couldn't help it. No, that's good. Hey, it's important. It's a reminder to keep it up there. But with all these things that we've been talking about, you know, the problem I think can always stem back to the you don't understand. It's 
you didn't have this when you were my age. You never went through this. I hear that a lot about, students say that a lot about their parents. My parents don't understand. I even had a student tell me, and I'm 24, tell me, you don't understand. And I was like, I don't, I don't think you know how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing as you want your parents to just trust you and say, I'm going to make the right decisions. Now they do make mistakes. So how do we build those relationships with our kids? How do we do that? It's the biggest challenge of the century that every parent has always had. Like my parents had the same struggle. I think their parents had the same struggle. Uh, it's yeah. Every, every generation has something new that it's, you know, fighting. I mean, I don't know fighting, but it's the challenge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for us, it was probably, you know, the cable TV came out uh, that we had, but even then my wife didn't even have cable TV. You know, they didn't, they didn't have it. Then they had three channels growing up always. And we got it in high school. And so, but I mean, I think it's always a challenge and it's, I mean, I was listening to a podcast it's called parenting today's teens. It's like Mark, I think it's Mark Gregson. My wife and I listened to it all the time. It's great. And it's a grandpa type thing, but he was talking about that, but he was just saying you all, every generation, even as him, who's a grandpa was you know, had something that his parents didn't like, but yet he so wanted it. And it was, they thought it was a bad influence. And actually it was a lunchbox, but it had like, it was the Beatles and the Beatles were not a good, <laughs> that's rock and roll. I mean, but you know, we laugh now, you know, and back when we were kids, it was going to, you watch that TV or you play those video games, you watch MTV, you're, you know, your, your, your mind's going to rot. Or if you listen to that rock and roll music, you know, you're for sure going to go to you know where. And so, I mean, I think it's a dilemma and I, I don't know how you, it's, it goes to that, that such a narrow line to, to navigate from being a parent to then coming over to coming alongside and, and not necessarily being a friend, but yet being understanding of what they're going through and then trying to live it out. So yeah, there's no answer there, but it's, it's a struggle yeah. that we deal with. And, and some days I'm the hero not very often, but some days I'm the hero and other, and, but most days, you know, my wife, Elaine is the hero where she, she knows way more that's going on in the kid's life than I do. It just seems like they will go to her more probably because I'm a little bit more strict on things. Yeah. I would say it is hard because we don't want the kids to think that we don't trust them. And so I think, especially with the social media, we've tried to stress, it's not about trust with us on that topic. It's, we just don't think it's healthy. And regardless of if they had it or, you know, it's not that we don't trust that they would use it poorly. It's, we don't, we don't even think it's healthy for us as adults to be using it. Um, and then we try and make sure that they know that we trust them in different ways. Like we allow them to go hang out with friends and aren't monitoring them all of the time. And sometimes they will mess up and go somewhere that they weren't supposed to be. And we've said, Hey, we trust you. Like, do you want us to not trust you in those situations? Like, do you really want us to have you on a tight leash? And they understand they're going to make mistakes, but with, um, with certain things, it's not always about trust. It's about, you know, what's healthy and not healthy in our opinion or for our family. Yeah. I heard a long time ago, it was a, you know, we, we want to equip our kids to, to make the right choices that then when they do leave the house, cause that's the goal, 
is to have them leave. Mm -hmm. And ours are about, they're going to leave a lot sooner than we're probably even ready for, but that, that they're, they're prepared for it. And while they are at home under our roof, that it's a safe place to skin their knees, that they don't fall and do so much damage that they, that they really harm themselves. And, and like I said, I think the social media, it has, it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun, has great, the whole phone is a lot of fun, has great influences and bad, but at the same time has bad influences. And, you know, but at the same time, it also can be a, it was a blessing for us this last fall. Our daughter got busted by, for doing something she shouldn't have been doing and happened in the morning and she'd snapped a photo of it. And by that day at noon, it was, she was in the principal's office and, and it was, we laughed and said, God's got a sense of humor yeah. after, well, that we didn't laugh right away. <laughs> she Later, probably we, didn't laugh for a while. She wasn't <laughs> laughing for a while. No, but you know, but again, it was a, okay, lesson learned. And you know, that was one of those moments that I'm like, my kid, my, one of my friends was like, she did what? She took a picture of herself doing, I go, I know I can't tell her not to do that. But like, you know, cause well, so my buddy came over and says, Hey, you can't take pictures of yourself when you're doing stupid stuff. And one of those, one of those friend moment, right? Parents can never say that, but you sit there and go, just yeah. like you about down at Seattle center, right? Going to the songs right? games, looking for guys. Right? What were you thinking? I have no <laughs> clue. <laughs> well, I just want to end with some kind of words of wisdom that we can give to any parents or parents to be, or maybe even teenagers, if they're listening, what are some, something that you want them to walk away with if they're struggling with technology at all these days? hard. I don't know. I think probably one thing is it's much harder to take things away once you've given them access to it than to limit the access in the first place is one thing that I've found. Um, I've had a few parents now tell me, man, it's hard to limit it once we've given it to them. So, and we've been lucky where our kids, I think, because <laughs> We've limited them so much that when we do give them a little more, they just get excited and are grateful for the things that they have now. Um, because once you open it up too much, then it's harder to kind of get everything back in the toothpaste, you know? Yeah. Bottle. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, I mean, I guess, I mean, you're not alone. I mean, I think I, I, I'm not sure I know anyone who really hasn't struggled with the challenge from whether it's. You know, I mean, Lindsay, you and Dan have got the two and a half year old, right? Mm -hmm. And so, for, I mean, even that age of even the simplicity of allowing him to watch the videos or on the iPad or the phone to, to not entertain him, but just because it's there all the way up to, you know, you've got a 19 year old and, and still they're, you know, as a parent, you're never done parenting. And I was reminded that this weekend, we had friends over at our family, we were over at a family beach house and we had friends over and they're my age, they're in their, their late forties, mid forties. And they were staying and it was almost dark and they'd driven over in their boat. And their dad called saying, who's at their cabin across the water, is everything okay? You haven't come home yet. Just want to make sure that you're okay. The boat's running well. I mean, it was just a reminder. We're never done, right? My parents are always trying to influence their grandkids and, and influence us. And, you know, I would just say, don't do it alone. To parents yeah. who are out there trying to figure this out. You know, you've, and if you aren't sure where to turn to, then just, you know, if your kids are in school, which most kids, I mean, you know, turn there, ask, because I guarantee you somebody else is trying to figure out how to get this. Um, and I would say, you know, get some resources online, some, you know, the podcasts that are out there. I really like that Mark Gregston parenting today's teens. Even if you don't have a teenager, it's got some great information and insights in there. And they can, I think, can help navigate these waters. And the other thing I'd say is understand what you're giving your kids access to. 
Yeah. You, if you don't understand the app and aren't on it, to, to you'll get fooled like we were where we thought Instagram was simply just to look at videos and you know photos, and all of a sudden we realized that that they're messaging each other on there, and we were just you know, and it was like oh, you know, because again you're trying to protect them, but yeah, no, I I that's kind of where I wanted to go with that as well as be on the social media, whether it is following them. And again, I kind of go back to have somebody that if you're not going to do it, that can follow them. That's an adult. Um, but be on Instagram if they have it, watch, try to find a show that you can watch together as a family or even ask them, Hey, what are you watching these days? Or you not, you might not like the kind of music that they listen to, but either listen to it on your own to make sure, Hey, is this giving a positive message or allow them to, if they're not already fighting for it, play their music in the car every once in a while. I remember taking a group of students out and we were going to get some snacks and they're like, Hey, I want, I call the ox cord or pastor Haley. Do we just have to listen to worship music? I was like, Nope. I listened to things other than worship music. And they were like shocked beyond their minds that I did. But in the reasons of, to know what all of these students listen to. And there's things out there that they'll say different phrases that they come up with different rappers. I'm like, what now? I don't understand. But if we can be involved in whatever aspect, I think that's the best thing that we can do. So thank you guys for giving your insight as parents. Hopefully we help somebody out today. Maybe it's a teenager themselves, but um, thank you guys for listening and joining us today. And you can actually catch part two, which will be very interesting because I'll be talking with the teenagers now about their perspective of things um, on part two of getting real about teens and technology on Wednesday, July 28th.